All right, let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we want to thank you uh, for being with us. We want to thank you for our opportunity uh, to think about dating again. And we pray that as we go through this and dialogue, that you will guide our, our approach to dating so that it's not just from a worldly perspective, but based on the Bible. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the title is, again, Dating Isn't for Cowards. So what is dating like? Uh, you know, dating is going to involve change. Sometimes one person doesn't change, like this cartoon. It's just that I've changed. I've grown, she says, and you're still stuck in the past. And there he is with his club and his caveman outfit. Well, hopefully that won't be your situation. I'm also hoping that one of the things we learned from the last uh, session that we had is that we need to be careful about intimacy. And there's a reason. When we become intimate with another person, it's like taking two pieces of wood and gluing them together. Have you ever tried to separate two pieces of wood that are glued together? They don't separate very well because what happens is parts of the one piece of wood get left on the other piece of wood. And so when you pull them apart, it's all jagged. It's not smooth anymore. You've got pieces of wood ripped out and belonging to the other piece of wood now. And that's what intimacy does. And if you've ever gone through a breakup, you know what that feels like. I remember uh, I had dated a girl for three and a half years, really believed I was going to marry her. And then she broke up with me. And I went home and I just cried. And then the next day I cried again. And then the third day I cried again. And then I started finding dumb reasons to try and connect with her. Like, oh, you left a book at my house. Can I bring it over? And then I would bring it over. And then she wouldn't, you know, I'd say, you know, have you, here's the book. And she'd go, okay, thanks. And I'm like, well, you know, have you been thinking about us? No, I'm trying not to do that. I said, but, but doesn't it do anything when you see me? She says, yes, I want you gone. And then I would get all mad and, and take off in my car and, and just so upset. And then I would cry again. And then I'd cry the next day. In fact, I'll be honest, for about a year and a half, I didn't cry every day. <laughs> but I did think about her every day for a year and a half. And so when you've gone through a relationship, sometimes you're glued to that other person. And the more close you become with them, the harder it is to break apart. And if we haven't followed the, the steps that we're going to go through here, then every breakup is going to leave a part of you with someone else. And, and you could even end up depressed and suicidal. And you definitely need to get some counseling if you've gone through a breakup like that. Because your heart feels like it's ripped in two. Any of you ever gone through, anyone who's willing to admit to it, you've gone through a breakup like this? Okay, a few hands. And it's it's traumatic when you go through it so I went back and I said all right how do we do this so I went and I read Ica stating goodbye and I looked at the options and I I said well do we just get rid of dating is that should that be the way we go you know which road are we going to take and I I'd identified that doing worldly dating was no good I wasn't going to walk down that path so I could kind of eliminate that one pretty rapidly and then I said you know what's been recommended to me is courtship but I said, is courtship going to be the best way to move ahead, or is there another way? Of course, I was a little older by the time I came to this, um, and I was 28 when I got married, so there's hope for you. <laughs> 
I found out that traditional courtship is a great model if you have godly parents that you live with. If you live in a close-knit community where people know each other and you're likely to marry someone from that community. And if you are a healthy and secure individual who knows how to interact with the opposite sex, then courtship is a great model. But in our modern and disconnected society, I did find some challenges with courtship. And you just give me feedback here. Feel free to participate. People were, that I saw following the courtship model were not getting married until much later or there were young people feeling pressurized to marry the first significant other. You only date your mate. And I said, whoa, that's a little intense. You know, we got on a date and then everyone says, well, they must be getting married. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of pressure. A second problem I found was a tendency to rely on groups to secure healthy interpersonal relationships. And the idea here was that instead of dating someone, you just hang out in groups and uh, you don't get to spend ever too much time alone with someone. And so you just hang out in the group and you watch them from a distance. And then one day you go out and you decide, you know what, I've seen her character, I really like her. So you go and you speak to her dad. And you say to the dad, listen, uh, you got, can we go chopping wood together? So you go and you start chopping wood. You know, and uh, as you're chopping wood, you say to the dad, you know, I've really, I've really been impressed with your daughter. And then it's his turn to take the axe. Hi, yeah, you know, because that's a tra traumatic thing for him to hear. And so you, you do this for a while, and then eventually he says, well, you know, here are the conditions, and here's the, my concerns. And then, and then he talks with her, and she tells her feelings, and then finally you get together. You follow the model? So the problem is, was this group approach didn't seem to give enough information that was needed. And it didn't seem to do enough to grow a healthy and secure individual, particularly for someone like me who didn't have a godly parent. So this was a challenging model. Uh, sometimes you can also ignore chemistry and personality. Uh, well, you know, uh, this is a wonderful guy. Your dad comes to you. Wonderful guy. You know, he's training to be a pastor, and I really like him. In fact, I like his family, so that would be a good, good reason to get together. And so I'd like you to go ahead and, and, you know, give him a chance. And you're like, but Dad, when I look at him, <laughs> there's just nothing there. I, I feel like a piece of cardboard, you know, with no seasoning. It's just not working for me. So the, the challenge here is that sometimes this can lead to, well, I'll just get married on the basis of character and ignore chemistry and personality. But the biggest thing that I find is that people who engage in this model tend to just follow a set of methods. Check the box. And even though I'm going to give you some methods, be careful that you're not just checking the box. This is much more about where your heart is. And when you really read Josh Harris's book, Ica's Stating Goodbye, you see that he's aware of these problems. Uh, he's not ignoring them, but the way people were applying it in my life was that they were pushing me in this direction, not recognizing that I needed to grow and I needed to get to know people better. I mean, in a disconnected society, you've got two people at university, their parents are not there, the go and uh, chop wood with your dad is a challenging model. So how else could we do it? Uh, so then I looked at some biblical examples. Who would this be? Rebecca. Rebecca. So there's Rebecca. And 
you know, the servant is sent along and he prays and he says, you know, if she offers to water my camels, then I'll know that she's the one. The sign comes true. He tells her, you better come with me. She's like, let me at least go home. <laughs> and uh, they chat to the, to the family. She actually invites him home and they chat to the family and then she takes off with him. And I said, that's a really scary model. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me of the, the girl who came to me and she said, I've been praying about my future partner. I said, that's wonderful. Uh, and she says, but I need your help. I said, well, what do you need my help with? She said, I'd like you to speak to him. Well, what do you want me to say? She said, could you tell him that he needs to bring roses and put them on my doorstep? I said, why would I ask him to do that? Because that's the sign I've been asking God for, and he's not doing it. <laughs> well, this is a scary way if you treat the story wrongly. So here's some things not to learn, some lessons not to learn, is that simply asking God for a sign is not what you're looking at here. When, a when Abraham sent him out, the characteristic that characterized Abraham the most of his whole character was hospitality. His servant knew that. So when he goes into Abraham's homeland and he looks for a woman, what's the key characteristic he's looking for? Hospitality. And feeding the camels was no small job. You know how much camels drink? You know how many times she would have had to have gone and got water for them? This would have taken her a couple of hours. This wasn't just a sign. This was a sign of character. So don't just ask for a sign. That's not good enough. Uh, and particularly, don't just marry a stranger who offers you gifts. That's not the point of the story. That's very cultural. The lessons that I believe I can learn from this are is all the way through the story, here's what I notice. They are surrendering. Abraham surrenders to God and says, I'm going to choose a wife who's a believer for, for Isaac. This, he then surrenders by letting his servant go because Abraham can't go. Isaac surrenders to his father's wishes and he too surrenders to the servant choosing. The servant surrenders to God. All of this is about a process of surrender. That's the foundation of this. So submitting your desires to God, that's one lesson I learned. A second one is stay in God's already revealed will. Abraham refused to choose a Canaanite because he knew that that was outside of God's will. Amen. It was real quiet there. Then allow godly parents and mentors to help you. You know, Isaac was willing to have them participate. There's prayer throughout. Abraham is praying. The servant is praying. When she gets back, Isaac is praying. Oh, Lord, let it be beautiful. Anyway, they're all praying. <laughs> and then clearly they're also watching for God's leading. God, we want you to be involved. We want to see your leading. So don't get the wrong story here. There is a process, and the process is about a process of surrender, process of praying, and a process of watching God's leading. And then when it does come down to it, there's not a delay. They don't go, oh, you know what? I'll come back with you next year. They follow whatever God's will is right away. Now, I have to be careful here. Just because you feel that God is telling you to get married, that's not what I'm saying. Go and get married right away. All these engagements take place after GYCSE. That's not the point. The point is to say there are things that you know God is calling you to do. Do those things right now. Right? Like if he's telling you, I want you to change the way you relate to each other, then you better change the way you relate to each other and don't delay in those decisions. So here are, here are the steps that we are going to recommend for the process of mate selection. Isn't that a great term? 
The first step is this. Figure out where your holes are and become whole in Christ. Focus on your relationship with God. Ladies, who is your husband? Right. Jesus is your husband, right? So let him be your husband first. That's what's really going to make a difference. Think about your life calling. Are you preparing for your life calling? Your singleness is a gift right now to enable you to prepare for life. Why would you waste it on some loser? Overcome your weaknesses. Develop strengths. Find out more about who you are. Build some quality same-sex friendships and some non-exclusive opposite-sex friendships. Just connect. You know, you're not yet ready to rush into a relationship if you don't know who you are. Uh, You're just a liability. And it will come back to bite you. History has a way of repeating itself. And if if you've come like I have from a, a broken background, then I had to figure out what went wrong in my parents' marriage and in my own life before I could date effectively. And that's why I had a number of relationships that did not work out well. Uh, People who are magnetically attracted to each other, just like two magnets that come towards each other, those kinds of people who experience magnetic attraction often have something missing in themselves that they're trying to satisfy by bringing another person into their lives. And here's how relationships work. They work by multiplication, not by addition. Half times half, which equals how much? A fourth, not half plus half. The only way you can get two becoming one is when you go one times one. It's not addition, it's multiplication. And so when you get two half people desperately needing something in themselves and they get attracted to someone else like that, it's a dangerous relationship and you need to break out of it. Magnetized people you see are controlled by a force they don't understand. They tend to follow impulse and instinct, not reason. They are driven by imbalances. And so they're not whole people yet. They haven't become whole in Christ. Instead, they need to develop a dependence on Christ that brings them to balance and wholeness, or they will develop a dependence on someone else. They become codependent, which is just another word for idolatrous. And so when you start worshiping someone else, you can't wait to be with that person. Dangerous. I dated a girl, and I remember she told me, I'm not sure I want to be a Christian. And uh, she said, I definitely don't want to be a pastor's wife. And so I said, you know, I love you so much, I'm willing to not be a pastor if I can stay in this relationship. I had made her into an idol, my desire for her above my desire for God. So what can you do here? Make Christ the center of your life. Uh, Put your life around Christ and not a person. Uh, Develop some skills to support a family because when you get married, that will become a reality. Avoid emotional involvement with the opposite sex because you need to find your own wholeness. Learn to practice some self-discipline. You're definitely going to need it when the hormones kick in. Evaluate your own character. Who am I? Why am I like this? Develop your own personality so it just doesn't get consumed in another person. And the whole way along, surrender to God. How many of you who are not in a relationship are willing to take this step right now? Just wave your hands at me. You willing to grow in this? Become whole in Christ? All right. And uh, that's, I think, going to be critical. Remember that marriage will not make you happy. 
This is not a Cinderella story. Researchers tracked more than 24,000 people from 1984 to 1995, asking participants every year to rate their overall life satisfaction from zero, totally unhappy, to 10, totally happy. The average boost from marriage was small, one-tenth of one point on the scale. I mean, you'd have a temporary blip for the honeymoon, and then it would come back down to normal. People who get married and stay married, however, are more satisfied than average long before the marriage has occurred. In other words, marriage doesn't make you happy. In fact, what they did find is that people who were unhappy before they got married were a whole lot unhappier after they got married. So, so much for Cinderella and Prince Charming. Until God calls you into marriage, He calls you to focus on becoming whole in Him. Your security, identity, and heart must be bound up in your friendship with Him. Without this, marriage will not bring you happiness. Can you say amen to that? All right, so we talked about the love cups already. Step two. So the first step, you find wholeness in yourself. The second step, observing and uh, checking out the talent for the sake of God's future generation. All right, how would you do this? Focus on building some quality friendships. Um, You know, this is what you're going to value when you leave college, when you leave high school, you're going to value for the rest of your life are the quality friendships you built. Uh, One of the saddest things that can ever happen is you date somebody for four years, then you break up and you realize you have no other friends. But I've seen couples do that. So uh, instead, focus on building friendships first. Yes, spend some time together in groups. Don't at this stage single each other out. Don't indicate interest or feel out the other person. Why not? Why wouldn't you want to say, you know, I'm just, I'm just appreciating this friendship so much. And uh, I just enjoy your company. It's just, it's just so nice to be with you. How about you? Why wouldn't you want to do that? Because the moment you express interest, it forever changes the relationship, the friendship. You can never go back once you've expressed interest. It's just, you know, because either your heart's going to be broken. Yeah, well, you know, uh, that's nice. I mean, you know, I see you like a brother. (laughs) Or they go, wow, you feel like that about me too. That's the way I feel about you. And then you dive headlong into a relationship. Remember, knowledge before commitment. So uh, don't express an interest yet. You're evaluating character. You're evaluating that person's personality. Uh, A few quotes that I think are important. Adventist homepage 57. To trifle with hearts, that's to mess with someone else's heart, is a crime of no small what? Magnitude in the sight of a holy God. And yet, some will show preference for young ladies and call out their affections and then go their way and forget all about the words they have spoken and their effect. A new face attracts them, and they repeat the same words and devote to another the same attentions. And I, I got to, particularly when I was a chaplain with an academy, I stopped asking how things were going in their relationships. I'd say, oh yeah, by the way, how's Jane? He looks at me like, Jane? That was two relationships ago. I'm now on Susie. <laughs> and then you realize, whoa, how did you do that? It's been, it's been three weeks. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, and that's, that's the challenge here. So they just move from one person to another. Don't do that. Uh, a woman is a sacred 
person of value and so is a man and we need to treat them that way. So at this stage, some hints for you, don't make mental or emotional commitments. Uh, don't trifle with someone's heart. You don't really know them well enough to, to just flirt with them. Evaluate their character, their personality. Keep surrendering and keep praying for discernment. This is not the time, just because you feel the tingles, to express your interest. Because those tingles could fade. Quick example. Oh, I have so many terrible examples. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. <laughs> I was a theology student. And again, I had this hole in my heart, but I didn't know about it. I just thought I was normal. <laughs> and so I went out. I guess it is normal to have a hole in your heart, but I thought I was safe. And I, I went to go and visit this girl. I, I had to literally get, it was, she was in Zimbabwe, and I had to get on a chicken bus to get there. It was this, this bus overloaded with people, literally with chickens on people's laps. And, but I was going to make it to go and see this girl. And, and then the bus broke down. And then we had to get, we were already a full bus, but they put us into another bus. I don't know how they did that. But in Africa, there's always room for one more. <laughs> and so we, we managed to shove all of us into another bus with now more chickens and more people. And we finally make it there. And I see this girl. And I just, I'm enamored with her. She, she's just everything I imagined at a distance. And so... We're getting together, and her dad says, hey, why don't you two go out? And I'm like, okay, what are you suggesting? He says, why don't you go out, go to the drive-in. Do they, you know what a drive-in is, where you drive with your car and you watch a movie outside? And I was like, I'm a theology student. He goes, ah, it'll be all right for tonight, you know. So her dad lends us the pickup truck with a mattress in the back of it to go and watch a drive-in movie. And I'm naive enough to... You know, go along. Maybe that's why he gave me the truck. <laughs> so, you know, we go and we park it facing with the, the bed of the truck facing this movie. And it was uh, some Michael Jackson song playing Free Willy 2 or something. <laughs> and so there we are in the back there and Michael Jackson singing. And I'm looking across at this girl and it's, it's kind of dark, you know, and we've got a cab over us, but we're looking out through the back of the cab. I'm looking across at her and the moonlight's just striking her face just right. And I'm looking, I'm going, wow, wow. And uh, next thing, before I'm realizing what I'm doing, my hand drifts across. That's always, you've got to watch those hands. <laughs> Grabs a hold of her hand and I look at her and I go, will you go out with me? And then it's like suddenly the record breaks and the picture breaks. And I'm looking at her and I'm going, what have I done? What am I doing? And I'm feeling her hand and her hand is, she was a farmer's daughter, so her hand was a little rough, which shouldn't have made any difference whatsoever. But in the moment, it's like, she's got rough hands. And, and suddenly <laughs> I'm looking at her and I'm not, I don't even, I don't really know this girl. I mean, it was just I came up here on a whim and rode the chicken bus and everything else. What am I doing? And she turns back and she goes, yes, yes. And that was a little too enthusiastic for my liking. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just stunned. And I don't know how to respond. And then she goes, did you hear me? I said, yes. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> and 24 hours later, I'd broken up with her. Because, yeah, that's right. This guy, I was not whole. <laughs> I was not whole. And so I hadn't evaluated the character. I hadn't evaluated the person. I hadn't prayed about it. I hadn't surrendered it to God. I had gone with the emotion. 
You, you see the danger here? And I'd expressed an interest before I was ready to do that. So be careful. Learn from my mistakes. Is that fair enough? Immaturity is characterized by the inability to do what? Wait. It's only immature kids. I need it now. I need it now. If you're going to be together the rest of your life, another month doesn't matter. So you don't have to rush into marriage. You don't have to rush into dating or courtship. The more you do your homework, the less you risk heartache or mistake. Now contrast. I'm meeting my wife-to-be, and Nicole, I'm um, getting to know her, and I said, how can I really get to know her? So I said, I, I told her that. I said, look, I, I'm wanting to get to know you. Uh, we had met on the campus of Andrews University. None of us studied there, but we just saw each other from a distance. And, uh, and I felt God impressing me to go and speak to her. It wasn't romantic at that stage. It was just like go and speak to her. So I tried. Uh, I went up, and I said hi to her after a seminar. And she goes, hi. And then we walked off. I was like, whoa, whoa, that didn't work out so well. And so I'm like, all right, I should not have followed impressions. You know, that, don't do that. But then later on, a friend of ours, Heather Crick, um, she called me up and said, hey, you want to come join us for supper? And I'm like, who's us? And there's this girl. Fortunately, she didn't recognize me. So I went and I, I connected with her and I, I said, what am I supposed to say to her? I, I just felt impressed to talk to her, but what do I say? But the more I listened to her, the more I began to appreciate her character. She told me how she was in ministry and how she was witnessing and the people she cared for. And so, you know, I, got, I started to get excited. And uh, by the next day, I'm already talking to Heather and going, you know, I really... I, I like what I'm seeing in this girl. And she says, wait, don't rush this. So I waited a week. <laughs> and then I, I contacted her, and uh, she was coming up. Uh, we were both attending a conference, a general conference together. And I made contact again, and we started dialoguing. And she says, look, if you really want to get to know me, you need to see me in doing what I'm doing. And she was a co-porter leader. So she said, I'm going to be going training some co-porter leaders. Uh, why don't you come with me? So I rearranged my schedule, and I went with her. And you know what she did to me? We arrive in the field, and she says, look, there's someone here who um, needs someone to work with them because they're underage, and they're from another country. And so she says, can you work with them? I said, I don't know how to do coal portering here. Don't worry, you'll be fine. She kicked me out of the air-conditioned car while she continued driving around, training the leader. And I was stuck out in the heat with some student I didn't even know, not knowing what I was doing. And I was like, why would she do that to me? I think I like this. <laughs> <laughs> because I thought that's kind of gutsy, you know, that she would do that. So I trained, actually had a great time training, and she was watching to see how I would handle it. See, if we had both rushed in, we wouldn't know in each other's characters, so she was testing me. So then I said, how else can I get to know? So when you're driving back, we started talking, and I said, you know, I, I still like you. And she goes, I know. <laughs> and I said, so what do you think? She says, well, we're not going to date. In fact, uh, you're not, you're not going uh, when, when to, when she was dropping me off at the airport, she says, I'm not even going to hug you goodbye. You just, you just need to go back and regain your senses because you've lost your senses here. <laughs> and I had. So I went back the whole way on the plane going, this is so great. This is so wonderful. <laughs> You know, and I get back, and we start corresponding, and she says, look, you don't really know me. So I said, give me all the people in your life that I, I might know, I mean, that could tell me about you. And so she, she gave me her mom, who's here, <laughs> and I, I wrote to her mom, and then I wrote to 
um, I wrote to a, a mentor of hers who knew her very well, and I spoke to her best friend. I said, give me the lowdown. And the lowdown was, Nicole has grown so much. <laughs> like, what does that mean? <laughs> and then, you know, I spoke to her mom, and she gave me glowing reports, but also told me, yeah, you know, Nicole has these issues. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I can live with that. Ooh, well, well, I guess I can live with that. And we started going through, and she spoke to people who knew me, and we started finding out about each other because we really wanted to know, is this the kind of person who I could be with for the rest of my life? And I even had a little list. Do any of you guys have lists? You know, I had like five C's. I don't know if I can remember them all now. Does she love Christ? Is she a good communicator? Because the last girl I dated, you know, for three and a half years, um, she told me that she was like an open book, but I didn't know which page she was on. <laughs> and so I said, I need someone who can give me an index. Tell me which page she's on. So I saw Nicole could do that. She could tell me which page she was on. That was helpful. I said, you know, is, could she resolve conflict? And, and so I deliberately bring up conflict just to see how she would handle it. And then, <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, then, I, then I said, is, uh, is this a person who has a commitment to ministry? And I saw she clearly had that. And then I did ask, you know, is there chemistry? You know, because if there's no chemistry, then we may make great friends. But the chemistry, you know, is going to help to round that out. So this was part of what we were evaluating and what we were checking things out. The more you do your homework, the less heartache or, or risk you take. I love what uh, Adventist Home says, make haste slowly. She knows you're going to make haste. She's just saying, put the brakes on. You know, don't go so fast. Uh, a few statements that will help you recognize if this is love or lust. Well, pure love, this is how she defines it. Well, pure love will take God into all its plans. It will be in perfect harmony with the Spirit of God. Passion will be, notice these keywords. read them with me. Headstrong, rash, unreasonable, defiant of all restraint, and will make the object of its choice an idol. So, you know, if you find yourself, I've just got to go ahead, no matter the cost, no matter, I don't care what anybody else says, I, don't, I love this person. Well, that may not be pure love. That may be something that is infatuation instead of love. True love, however, is not a strong, fiery, impetuous passion. On the contrary, it is calm and deep in its nature. It looks beyond mere externals and is attracted by what? Qualities alone. It is wise and discriminating, and its devotion, therefore, is real and abiding. So what Nicole told me, she said, I remember sending a question to her. We had been dialoguing about a month at a distance. I was in Africa. She was in the States. And I said to her, I sent her a question, the big question. And I said, will you go out with me? And she wrote back, no. I said, why not? She said, because right now you are driven by emotions and I can't trust myself to you because I don't know if your emotions will change. Did she have good reason to believe that based on my history? Yeah, yeah she did. So, and I foolishly told her some of that. So <laughs> that was part of my growth and wholeness. So she knew you're not thinking straight. So then I thought about it. And that's what helped me to recognize that we need another stage here. And so I sent back the not-so-big question. You know what it was? I know we're not going to go out right now, 
But will you commit to finding out what is God's will for this relationship? She said, yes. So that began our next stage. And in here, as we said, we're going to commit to finding out what is God's will. We had to test and see what are the lifestyle, doctrinal issues, integrity issues, and personality issues that could be serious pitfalls before the emotions kick in or if the emotions are kicked in. Somebody needs to be like my wife who said, slow down. You're going too fast. Make haste slowly. So that's where you become not just friends. Now, let's be honest. I, I haven't found a good term for this. Maybe you guys will come up with this. I, I guess the best term I've come up with is intentional friendship. What's the difference between friendship and intentional friendship? In intentional friendship, I'm communicating with this person because I want to find out what is God's plan for this. But I'm not yet ready to commit myself because I don't know enough about that other person. Now, if we lived in the old days where we were all in the same town and the same village, I'd get to know that person without an intentional friendship. That could work. But in today's world, particularly if you're on different continents, we recognize, look, we're no longer just friends. We've moved beyond that. We're now intentional about this. And so this is where you begin to indicate interest slowly in small ways. I guess I needed to slow down and she slowed me down. Uh, you would make verbal commitment cautiously, if at all, and you begin to seek prudent counsel from others, just like we did. What do you think uh, of this? There are several things that you need to be aware of at this point. Don't let intimacy get ahead of commitment. Are you really committed at this stage? No. So can you become intimate? Can you start holding hands? No, because you don't know enough about that person. Don't let commitment get ahead of knowledge. So you have to get the knowledge before you can develop any commitments and before you can have any intimacy. Get wise counsel, as we've said, from others. I spoke to those who were closest, who knew me, people who knew her. Say, what do you think about this? And again, in every step of this, of this process, you're going to be surrendering to God and praying that he guides this process. Intimacy will happen as this person moves closer towards you and you become more vulnerable with them. We know that intimacy happens when you share feelings. So if you have a person, and by intimacy I don't necessarily mean physical intimacy, I mean emotional intimacy. If you start sharing your feelings like, you know, I feel really scared when this happens, that person is no longer just an acquaintance. You've moved them into a friend, maybe even into a close friend. When you start talking about your fears, your insecurities, your feelings, you are bringing them down through the circle closer to you. And so this process says don't rush to do that. Work through the stages of being an acquaintance, of getting to see them as a friend, and then of, of getting them to allowing them into your closer circle of intimate friends. I'm using that in terms of emotional intimacy. Some questions to ask at this stage. Is this person a lot like Jesus? Because if they're not, what are you going to do? Run. <laughs> you know, the problem is, as C.D. Brooks said, we don't run from sin. We kind of crawl away hoping it'll catch up with us. And so we don't run from relationships. Well, maybe if I just crawl away, they'll call me back. Uh, the second thing that you want to ask is, is this person a lot like you? Not only is the, are they a lot like Jesus, but are they a lot like you? Spiritually, do they share your spiritual values? Socially, 
are they, you know, if you put an extreme introvert and extreme extrovert together, that's going to be challenging. Are they intellectually like you? Because uh, you don't want to get bored in a relationship. Um, and do they like to spend their habits like you do in their leisure time? Because this is going to be your best friend. If you don't like doing stuff together, you can make it work, but it's going to be a lot harder. Um, I like uh, this book, Things I'd Wished I'd Known Before I Got Married by Gary Chapman. <laughs> and uh, one of the things he br brings out is, I wish I'd known that like mother, like daughter, and like father, like son isn't a myth. <laughs> you know, we often reflect our parents. Other things he wished he had known, and this is just things to consider in this stage. Toilets are not self-cleaning. <laughs> and what he means by that is, for instance, he grew up in a house where, you know, um, the toilets just got cleaned by his mom. And she grew up in a house where that's something that the dad did, you know, every weekend. The dad would come and clean the toilets. And so when they got married, guess what happened? Why aren't you cleaning the toilets? And he's like... They need cleaning? <laughs> uh, that we needed a plan for handling our money. You know, this is something, are you thinking ahead about structuring your life together? How does this person spend money? Uh, that you're marrying into a family. What is that family like? You, you better figure that out because they're going to become your family. Uh, that spirituality is not to be equated with going to church. Yeah, you know, I, this is the, the, the thing that I'm always worried about is that he's got so much potential. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, he started going to church, and I, I even saw him sing once. You know, yeah, what's his spirituality actually like? That personality profoundly influences behavior. You know, this person's personality is really going to affect how they are, and I want to spend a little bit of time on that. You know, here are different forms of spirituality differences. The optimist versus the pessimist, the person who sees the glass half full from half empty. The optimist is game to do risky things. Yeah, it'll all work out somehow. Let's go do it. And the pessimist is like, you know, I don't think we've really thought about this. You know, uh, do we have enough money to do that? The optimist is like, what's wrong with you? You never have any fun. And then they marry each other. Very interesting. The neatniks versus the slobs. You know, at first, it'll be fine. I don't mind cleaning up after him. But after you've picked up that sock off the floor a thousandth time, it really begins to impact on you. Oh, if only you would only put this away. Why don't you ever? And then you get into those kinds of arguments. So be aware of personality difference. Then you have the Dead Sea versus the babbling brook. You know, the Dead Sea is just deep, peace, calm, you know. And they love being with the babbling brook when they first get together because you don't have to say much. <laughs> she, he just takes the conversation, you know, and keeps going. But when they get married, suddenly the Dead Sea is like, I need peace. I need quiet. And she's like, you know, why don't you really share your feelings with me? Initially, she was like, you know, he's such a great listener. You know, he just, he just listens there and empathizes. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. You know, it's like, he's great. And it's like, why didn't you talk more? I need you to. And he's like, why didn't you talk less? You know, so this is a challenge. Then you have the passives versus the aggressors. You know, the people who make things happen and the people who watch things happen. And so the passive people are like, well, I just like to kind of watch for a while and figure it out. And they're like, let's go. Woo! You know, and, and let's make something happen here. Let's get it done. You know, and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I think, I think I'm feeling uncomfortable here. Can I go back to my bed? You know, so 
there's just different personalities. The people who are the professors, the more logic, you know, line it up, bang, 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 like a, like a little mathematical formula. And those who are dancers, the intuitive people, the people who like to just experience life, they're more experiential. And then they get together and they love it. You know, he's so good because he, I just see how he handles situations. He's just so logical. It's great. And he's like, you know, she brings such fun and spontaneity into my life. This is great. And then they get married and he's like, she's so illogical. She's driving me nuts. And she's like going, you're so boring and logical. Why don't you have some fun? And then you have, you know, the organizer. Again, similar characteristics. You know, everything's laid out. It's nicely in order versus the free spirit. And you can see you could have some overlap between these two there. So in this, in step three, you're figuring out who you are. In step four, I don't have a good definition for this, but this is the best I can do. Dating that leads to courting. What do you think of that term? Dating that leads to courting. Here, your intentional friends. Here you're dating, but you're leading to courting. Now, why not just courtship? Because of the pressure of courtship, that if you jump into courtship, what are people expecting you're going to get? Married. So I said, I can't just do courtship. I've got to figure out something else. And that's why I came up with this dating that leads to courting. This is where you commence a more committed relationship. Yes, we're interested. We're declaring our interest. We're making it a little more public. And you still continue getting focused on getting to know each other's personality and character. And you're progressing slowly in your emotional intimacy. What's that key word? Slowly. You're you're opening up to each other, sharing with each other. And you're regulating physical intimacy by counsel and conviction. Now, here's why you need counsel and conviction. You don't know where good boundary lines are. Let me just be honest with you. The hormones are raging. You see her, you sit next to her, and your heart's just pumping. Boom, 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 boom. You can't think straight. You don't have a frontal lobe anymore. So you need counsel. And then you need conviction because when you get the counsel, you become convicted. We need to do things. And then you need to act on that conviction. And I'll give you an example of what we did in our relationship. So some critical things to do here. Be honest. Communicate well uh, with the other person, with those around you. Really open communication. We got a great book to help us with communication called Getting to Really Know Your Life Made to Be. Uh, Unfortunately, it's now out of print and it'll cost you 40 bucks to get it online because someone's making a killing every time I mention it in a seminar. So instead, there's another question called 101 questions to ask before you get engaged. It's not quite as good as the other one, but it does the same kind of thing. And we used it to ask each other questions like this. If you were to give a gift to your dad... How much would you give? And then we'd ask the question, if you were to give a gift to my dad, how much would it be? What are three things you like about your parents' marriage? What are three things you wish you could change? What are three things you like about yourself? What are three things you wish you could change? If we had a disabled child, how would you act? What would be your reaction? So we had these, and we'd just take like one a day, and then we'd have a discussion over them so that we we could find out more about each other. Because we're evaluating character and personality. Make haste slowly again in emotional intimacy and physical and surrender. So I'm just emphasizing that and continue to pray. Uh, This was our covenant. We made a covenant. I'm just giving you one phrase out of the covenant. We choose to avoid other romantic attachments 
until we are sure of the will of God for our relationship. If after prayerful consideration and counsel, either of us believes God is not leading us together, he or she will be free to share the reasons why in honesty and to terminate this relationship without guilt. We also put other things in our covenant, like we wouldn't have prolonged and intense hugging, and we decided to save our kiss for our wedding day. It's helpful when you live in two different continents. <laughs> but still, we were together for some of that time, and we put this covenant together, and we said, this is what we're going to hold to. And, I, it, and it was hard, let me tell you. There were times when her lips were beckoning mine, but <laughs> I held strong until our wedding day. And uh, it, was, it was great. In fact, at our wedding, when we kissed the groomsmen who all knew of our covenant, they held up little signs for us, like 10 out of 10 and 9.5, you know, for our kiss. <laughs> so here's what we were doing. Watch every sentiment and watch every development of character in the one with whom you think to link your life destiny. While you may love, do not love. Blindly, as they say, before marriage, you should keep your eyes wide open, and after marriage, half shut. <laughs> Examine carefully to see if your married life would be happy or inharmonious and wretched. Let the questions be raised. Will this union help me heavenward? Notice the questions. Number one. Two, will it increase my love for God? Three, will it enlarge my sphere of usefulness in this life? If these reflections present no drawback, then this is at this stage. Then in the fear of God, that's an important phrase, move forward. And here's how you to move forward. Young woman, accept as a life companion only one who possesses pure manly traits of character, one who is diligent, aspiring, and honest, one who loves and fears God. Aren't, don't you love those characteristics? Uh, for men, is, in your choice of a wife, study her character. This is Adventist homepage 46. Will she be one who will be patient and painstaking? Uh, yeah, I should have been more diligent in asking that question. My, my wife can be impatient. That's why we had children, to learn patience. <laughs> it was good. She, she had those characteristics. She had patience and painstakingness, and I realized this is what I want in a person, and it's continued to grow. When you've reached that step, you're on the final stage uh, leading to marriage, and that's engagement. This is a commitment to marriage and a lifetime of ministry together. It has a definite timeline, and there's some instructions I have here. Long engagements are not wise, uh, so you shouldn't, um, you shouldn't wait too long. However, uh, notice this letter. I'm sorry that you've entangled yourself in any courtship with Nellie A. In the first place, your anxiety upon this question is premature. Sound judgment and discretion will bid you wait for one or two years. But for you to select one to be in your mind and affections, that length of time would not be prudent for you or just to the one to whom you pay your address. Now, what this means is she's saying, don't rush into making a commitment that where you're only going to get married in a year or two from now. Why would that be a challenge? What do you think? The physical is going to be a real challenge, right? And it's going to be hard to hold back, and you're going to be growing in intimacy. And then also what you've got is your whole lives are hanging on that future decision. So short engagements are generally better. However, there are times when you can break an engagement. Do not think the engagement makes it a positive necessity for you to take upon yourself 
the marriage vow and link yourself for life to one whom you cannot love and respect. Be very careful how you enter into conditional engagements. So in other words, be careful of the beginning. But better, far better, break the engagement before marriage than separate afterward, as many do. So you got it? You can still break it at this point. So all along the way, you're testing. Should we go forward? Should we go forward? Is this the next step? Are we ready to enter to the next step? And by the time you reach here, you're ready to commit your life on the basis of character and ministry and true love and caring for that other person rather than just on feelings. This leads to a solid, confident commitment based on a knowledge of God, a knowledge of self, and a knowledge of the other person. At this point, once you're engaged, you should have premarital counseling. Premarital counseling is shown to give you a 30% higher chance of staying married than not having it. And so premarital counseling is definitely worthwhile. Uh, you should be completely transparent. If there are ghosts in your past, you need to let the other person know about those ghosts. And you say, but what if they leave me? Well, better to find out now than to find out three years into the marriage. And, you know, it's really a wonderful thing. You know, when a, uh, one couple, uh, the, the fiancé admitted to his bride-to-be, he said, look, I've struggled with addictions on the Internet, and you know what I'm talking about. And uh, she was shocked, and we had to go through a period of healing. But she said, you know, I want to thank you because I recognize that you don't treat women like that anymore and that God is working on your heart. Now, she said, I do have a question. Is this current or in the past? And he said, it's in the past, but it's the recent past. And she said, well, why don't we wait before we get married? to make sure that this doesn't come into our, our marriage room. And he agreed. It, wasn't that a wise way to handle that? Yes. And so just complete transparency. Careful physical boundaries, you know, and you, you're trying to determine how you can do this. And I say, we put that in our covenant. And then again, prayer and surrender are going to be an important part of this process. So what do you think? Will it work? Good process. And the good news is I got married. Amen. So uh, where I have been, soon you will be. So prepare yourself to follow me. <laughs> I am going to pray. And then if anyone has any questions, I'm happy to answer the questions. Father God, we want to thank you that uh, you have given us an incredible opportunity to engage in your plan for relationships. And Lord, I know that I've been an imperfect person in following you. But I want to thank you that when I came to meeting my wife, we took counsel, we surrendered to you, and we gave up trying to make it on our own. And because of that, you have made two into one. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.com.
www.thepeopleofgod.org.